Didn't see you there. Sorry to bother you, but please don't shoot me out of a window and cause a mass influx of people to move west. You're listening to Plygonometry. This is a weird podcast where each week I sit down with one of my many, many family members and we talk about what it's like growing up in polygamy. If you're one of the types of people who has been listening to the show and you have no idea what's going on and you just want to ask a bunch of questions, Rest assured, there is a solution, and that is by sending in your questions to me, the host, on social media, email, smoke signal, messenger pigeon, whatever means necessary, doesn't matter to me. Send them in, and I'm going to be releasing an episode two weeks from today, so send them in. Time is ticking. And there's going to be a guest from England on the show as an unbiased listener and asker of questions, and it's going to be a good time. It's going to be fun. So send them in. And uh, we'll answer those questions for you. But for this week, my guest is someone who has been through a very interesting journey on his way out of polygamy. No stone is uncovered with this guy. And that's something that I truly, truly appreciate about him. He has his arguments and he is well versed in them and what he feels and thinks about all of the stuff. It's a long episode, so bear with us. We get into a lot of different things this week. We talk about the Haitian earthquake. We talk about what polygamy might be like in the future. We talk about the great apostasy of 2015. And I really, really hope that you guys enjoy the episode that I have with my first cousin once removed in law. Polygonometry. I know that your dad was a convert to the group. And so you were, I guess, essentially like first generation polygamist, right? Correct. Or grown in polygamy. Yeah. 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 So I guess not. Yeah. So first generation in in the group and stuff. And I'm just kind of like, want to know what that was like when you were a kid. I'll start. I'll start with that then. So one of my earliest memories had to be 73, 1973 was probably being babysat by my dad's second wife marcine okay who at that point of course i didn't know Mm -hmm. she was really awesome and um super nice and you know i obviously my my father and i probably should look these up my dad came into and just to clarify the group is that a good enough Sure. You yeah. Know, I, could I say, mean, you know, it wasn't AUB back then. Technically, we'll just call it the group for lack of a better word. Well, because it was, what was it before the AUB? It was Council of Friends or something like that? Could have been. I, I, I'm not specific. I don't even know if they were organized okay. in so any it was, kind of way. It might have been called a Council of Friends. I don't know. Okay. I don't know who they paid tithing to. It might have just been. Okay. The, it the seemed like it was like amoebic, kind of not really concrete. Yeah, it really wasn't. And so my dad joined the group via John Ray. Um, he was teaching at Midville Middle School. John Ray was teaching at Midville Middle School, as with Gary Lee. Mm-hmm. So my dad and Gary Lee were converted at the same time. Gotcha. With John Ray. Okay. And Gary Lee moved up to Montana, Pinesdale here. My mm-hmm. dad stayed in Salt Lake. Okay. So what did the what did the group look like when you were a kid? I mean, I know it's a lot different now, and sure. obviously there's I mean, so obviously many more differences. We talk but... about, you know, and I listened to my dad, and you heard some of the old timers 
Owen Allred and uh, whatever the Marv Allred's family, the children, just the old, some of the people that have been in it for, you know, decades. They talk mm-hmm. about how they met in Brother Owen's garage for, for meeting, for meeting, which was, you know, maybe 150, 200 people at the most, you know? And so I am, so I, I never experienced those days. I just remember them talking about it. But when we, I remember at six years old, seven years old, attending in the Brown building where for years, Marvy Dean's, Marvy D and his family lived there. Okay. Right by right there in Bluffdale. So, so back then I, I imagine a group was probably a thousand people. Maybe including yeah. Mexico and Pinesdale. Yeah, all things um, considered, all of it. And so, no, but it was, you know, compared to what it is now, there was it was small, for sure. Um, I don't even know the exact. Do you know? Not the exact, but what they claim to be. The no, I, I, membership as as, of AUB. No, I mean I could probably look it up quick, but as far as like what I've looked into, it's you know it fluctuates for sure because there's been like. The, you know these, and yeah, like pre and post Lynn, <laughs> and then also with John Ray being able to convert, you know, or at least be part of the conversion process for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I know that here in Pinesdale, it's like what over, well, two three hundred. I don't even know. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Be way more, obviously. Yeah, like when I was a kid, I know that it was like, you know, maybe close to a thousand people here in Pinesdale, right? right? It, it, it maintained that pretty close to a thousand for yeah. forever. It seemed like it back and forth. Some people come, some people go, some kids stay. Yeah. So, I mean, Wikipedia it's, has membership anywhere from seven to 10,000. That sounds about right. I guess. Yeah. About eight. yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's just, I mean, yeah, like I said, it, it fluctuates and all this stuff. And but. so, so in the, so being in the group, it was fairly small. All my friends were what they'd consider blue bloods. Sure. Thompson's, Jessup's, not a lot of Jessup's actually, mm-hmm. Jensen's, Thompson's, yeah. Jensen's, all reds. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of Jessup's down there. Some, but most of those are in Montana, mm-hmm. Pinesdale. And so early on, so from the time from 12, from 12 years on, I went to every meeting I could possibly go to, every priesthood meeting, every church, every, as soon as I got the priesthood in 1981, mm-hmm. um, April 1st, 1981, I was at every function and it's because of i had friends some of my best friends so it seemed like the the dedication to going to those meetings was not only from like the religious side but also the social side sure absolutely and so i went that's when i became friends with john llewellyn um Mm -hmm. jr danny thompson yeah guys like that were my you know yeah good friends so yeah, so I, but as with anything, you do it enough, it becomes your, you get ingrained. It becomes yeah. what you believe. And yeah, and it was, it rung true. You know, we all looked forward to getting married and finding the, the one or the three or the <laughs> seven if you're, yeah. if you're truly blessed. Yeah. And so, anyway, long story short, I attended everything. I was a yeah. true blue as you could get. Yeah. Went 16, to all the functions and served, you know, did the sacrament forever. It's two times a week, sometimes with Wednesdays and Sundays. You know, I probably passed the sacrament 150 times. Yeah. From the time I was then until the time I finally moved to Montana mm-hmm. in 97. So, yeah, I was definitely part of it, part of AUB. It was always difficult because I was 
not um because my dad was not a blue blood i guess and that's just a weird thing to really say but it was just difficult because it you know you have certain expectations it was difficult because you had so many it seems like so many people came into the group and left there's yeah there's a high percentage of high turnover rate in in aub as far as people that come into the group and then leave mm-hmm. so i i get it why there was some res, reticent attitude towards newcomers and and i don't know if my dad was ever fully accepted we were part of the rocky ridge order my dad was for like 20 years and it just didn't really feel like we were truly accepted it might have been his personality it might have been he was the first non-all red you know type to be part of that order even though tom bronson was part of that order he had married three of the daughters marv's daughters so it wasn't mm-hmm. like i think it was three might have been two yeah apologies if i my brain but anyway so it was it was a little bit of a challenge and, and i had a chip on my shoulder for sure trying where to, do you think that chip came from just because the lack of acceptance or lack or, of acceptance and and i felt like i was just as good as anybody else like like you, you were just feel, as worthy yeah, as whatever. just as worthy and so i you know worked extra hard i tried to be extra diligent and my, do you think that that chip that you're mentioning like lent to the behavior of constantly going to meeting and showing your face and like for sure yeah, yeah. Okay. and and also and in sports it was you know if i ever got playing basketball or anything like that at the building or if i ever got a confrontation where i felt like that was being challenged i would double down and just be oh, okay. and turn into an asshole quite often yeah even though with me it was my personality is i could i could get in a fight with somebody mm-hmm. literally at the end of the game or done, I could, it was, we were buds again. Yeah. But th- that didn't translate all the time. Yeah. Okay. People. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so people took those, those confrontations kind of personally. Sure. And then and brought I, it with them after the competition yeah. was over. Okay. And I don't know if that really plays into the story necessarily and just mostly rambling. So we progress through. I'm part of AUB doing everything I can you know, progress through the priesthood. So how far did you get with it? With the priesthood? Yeah. Well, I became a 70. Okay. In 99. Okay. 98, 99, 2000, somewhere in there. I think. So um, I have a quick question. How would you describe the process of going from, because it goes like deacon, teacher, priest, ironic priesthood, that those three class or ranks sure. or whatever, and then elder, high priest, right? Well, that's where, that's where argument ensues. Yeah, because, because high priest and 70 are kind of I never got into this argument, but the argument exists. Who has the authority? Oh, okay. And so, and and it's in Doctrine and Covenants, it's really not plain. It explains mm-hmm. who has more authority and power. I guess technically, when you're setting up a new order, the 70, when he goes there and sets up the new order, and this is back in the days, Brigham Young, whatever, sure. they would have the authority. Okay. And then when the high priest came in and they set up the high priest, um, quorum the 70s would then relinquish the power to the high priest oh so it seems like it's like this fluid it's fluid but but then you have in some of the old ordinations into the 70s brigham young and some of the earlier church members you know john taylor they have they actually ordained 70s to be apostles you know they're 70 okay. apostles so they were actually had the same authority as an apostle 
But they weren't actually part of the but they weren't but they first were presidency first presidency no they weren't apostles so and so now it gets really vague because because the church does it different than AUB did it yeah and so there's a lot of a lot of things back and forth changes we you know I I don't know exactly the nuance mm-hmm. position of of AUB in you know did they just the seventies were seventies high priest or high priest but the seventies were high high calling. Sure. Technically, I mean, technically is the wrong word, but in order to get to become a 70, you should have been plurally married. Okay. Um, you should have moved forward in the priesthood. We didn't. Or when Picking I say another... we, those three or four of us that got called that weren't that polygamous weren't. at the time. Okay. Being part of the 70s quorum, I actually was privy, privy to a lot of information. Okay. A lot more information than probably layman, you know, if not a layman, but you know, an elder or a priest was. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, cause I mean, when you're a 16 year old kid, they're not going to be talking about like deep doctrine stuff or, yeah. you know, ways to handle certain situations that have come up in the group or anything like that with kids who are probably best friends with those kids that have had those situations or right. whatever the case is. Um, no, cause I, I was only ever ordained as a deacon. I never mm. went past that because it was like after I got to ordain as a deacon, going to priesthood meeting, all that stuff, and eventually not going at all. That was right at that time that my family kind of had their foot out the door already. Right. And then finally left. And so I never was ordained anything past that. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually like when it comes to like the structure in regards to the priesthood and callings and how that all works, I have actually no idea. So, I mean, I have a very rough estimate, but that's it. So, yeah. so it was, you know, it kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but, you know, going through the youth, went to Israel with yeah. great experience Yeah, with your grandpa. I mean, he mm-hmm. was the spearhead of it. Wonderful experience. My experience in the group was good yeah. as far as growing up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, I never realized... You know, now I can say maybe it wasn't as, but going through it, I had no problems. You know, I've, yeah. around where I lived, I might have been discriminated a little bit because I was a polygamist mm-hmm. kid. You know, but outside of that, there wasn't a lot of discrimination. All my friends were in the were in, were in the group, so I didn't. Yeah, your social needs were already met. It sounds y- like right, and yeah. it it made it a couple of things happen. So it made the group paramount and most important thing, and it put everybody as a second tier. Everyone who was not a member. Everybody wasn't a member. It was just a second tier. They yeah. were, right. They'll If they're lucky, they'll get to throw terrestrial king or whatever. But there, <laughs> we were, that was the attitude. You know, it was the yeah. attitude of, you know, I was, I was a racist bigot mm-hmm. in the group. And I'd be, I would challenge anybody that's in AUB to say, I would challenge anybody. That I, I believe anybody in AUB is racist. Yeah. Um, if they, if they well, I mean, adhere if you, to the doc, well, if you adhere to the doctrine, I mean, I've, I've talked about this before on a previous episode, but if you look up, I mean, the, the curse of Cain and, and that kind of stuff, there's like scriptural doctoral evidence to support the idea that those who have a black skin color are the ones who chose in their first estate mm-hmm. that they didn't choose to fight for God in the war in heaven or whatever before right. we, before we all became human. And so when you look at someone, you know, you look at a, a, a young black woman, you, as from the AUB's perspective, it, it's basically like, you know, something that she doesn't know about herself. Mm-hmm. That thing being, you didn't fight for God in the war in heaven before you were human. Yeah. And so that when you don't fight for God, that's a bad thing. Yeah. I would assume. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would, it would follow. <laughs> so, I never, I was really always, um, 
it was really interesting because in the Book of Mormon it talks about the curse being a dark skin. And so Mexicans fell under that curse. Of course, Asians falls under all the curse. You, you, you know, know you it's really weird because the delineation, it, it doesn't seem like there is much organization or at least cut and dry examples of who is a descendant of Cain or yeah. who is whatever, you know. And as you, and you've probably heard this analogy, if you lined up everybody on the earth, Mm -hmm. From whitest to blackest, let's say of skin color, or sure. whitest to the darkest, whatever you want to call it, and lined them all up one after another. From you would not, you could not tell me where white and dark begins and ends. True, it's you couldn't tell me. Yeah, you would say, but then where does it? You, there is no because so anyway, it's, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. Racism yeah. is a you know. And so it's it was definitely systemic. Yeah. And there was... It definitely permeates. It permeates. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story, too. That, sure. And this is as I was... This is as I was leaving. This is in 2010. Do you remember the Haitian earthquake? Mm-hmm. Devastating. Yeah. When the 70s Quorum had started a fund to try to just to build a building or to help, whatever. We were just trying to start a fund to do 70s things. Sure. And at the end of the meeting, and it was a particularly, I felt, good meeting. I felt it was, you know, some good things were said. In it, At the end, I said, hey, so I got up and said, I have something to say. I want to. And I said, sure, Derek, say, you know, the head of the class said, yeah. And I said, well, I think, I feel like that there's something we can do to help these Haitian, this Haitian nation that just got devastated with this earthquake. Mm -hmm. and you got to remember, everybody at this time, every church was doing something. Yeah. They were. Sending money, whatever mm -hmm. they're sending baskets, sending whatever they were trying to do, paying to the Red Cross, whatever. There mm -hmm. was just dozens of churches up and down the Bitter Valley that that I knew that were doing stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And so I suggested we do that, and immediately got shut down by the head of the class. and And I logged this as probably one of the top five stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hit it, me with it. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> he said, why on earth, and this is not a, not a direct quote, but pretty close. Why on earth would we undo what God has done? Why Holy would, shit. Really? Yes. And so that, Oh my God. That sent me fairly quickly out the door. I mean, I was half one foot out at that point And I was like, fuck that. Oh my that God. Is, that is not good. And so we're talking about a week after it. There is massive <laughs> suffering, death, and and that was a response. And I'm not saying that's specifically racist, but it's... it sounded really racist to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you were, again, if you want to put racism on that spectrum. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, hey, and you so, can't really say that's not. <laughs> but, oh, my God. But that's one of the reasons I... That was one of the things that drove me out of AUB. Yeah. Is the fact that they were only in it for AUB. Yeah. I never, I personally never saw while I was in there them work outside of AUB, help anybody outside, help mm -hmm. a cause outside of their own people. I never saw it. And, and, and I would, and I'm fine to be corrected on that. If someone sure. has some information, show me. Yeah. I did not see it. Yeah. And and you're speaking in reference to like uh, relief efforts, relief efforts. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking even you know helping a local family that got their house burned down. You yeah. know, outside yeah. of the AUB, didn't happen that I know of. I mean, I'm sure individuals did it themselves because, and I have a saying that people are good in spite of religion. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so for sure. If but religion would <laughs> seems to, to like to protect itself. Anyway, that's yeah, yeah. I see what you're anyway, saying. Anyway, it was a very. It, I like I said, I had one foot out at that point in 2010, and it was it was just evident to me. It's like I I'm done. You know, this is uh, from then on. I was quiet. It was in the 70s quorum. I was quiet for two years. So what? And I'm probably jumping ahead, but no, anyway, no that's, say, that's totally fine. So what I was going to ask is like the time frame. The if you look at the timeline of like you were you know, as basically as pious as you can possibly be, you know, you went and you were ordained as a 70, you went all the way up through the ranks, you were at every meeting, you know, you had this, this sense of you need to prove yourself because of past, you know, grievances or whatever the case is. I don't want to put words in your mouth at all either. And then having like the Haitian earthquake example was, it sounded like it was kind of one of those final straw moments. But then you still stayed on for two it, it years. It wasn't a final straw, but yeah, it was it was a final straw as far as these aren't. I mean, and I say this, I just realized there are some people, I just realized that AUB, what they were, it was systemic. Yeah. I, it just was not something I was going to be a part of wholeheartedly. I yeah. was still there. My children were somewhat in it. We never really pushed our children into polygamy or mm-hmm. even, even teaching all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But so for a timeline, okay, I would say from about 2008 to, and if you want to say fully leaving the group, it's when you finally take off your garments and you're done done, mm-hmm. would be 2012. Okay. So where the cracks started with me in AUB was, and I was pious in a lot of ways, but I never got a second wife. Or third, yeah. you know, I never lived polygamy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something that we had tried a couple times. Um, so you had tried like dating other women. I didn't. Uh, I asked about a, three of them. Three. Okay. Well, who knows? A two and a half, three, whatever. But two, yeah, two and a half women. Two and a half. <laughs> there was. It was uh, a anyway, show on TV. By the way, so there. I guess there was three ish attempts, and so I didn't just never worked out. Okay. Thank so God. so God good. I don't want to get too tangential, but that's something that I think would be um, interesting. And if you if you don't want to go for it, um, just let me know. But what was that like for you when you were you know you're already married, happily married to your wife? You know, had how how many kids at that point? Like five well, so, or four? Oh, well, it depends. I mean, so it's three different times. Early on, when I first got married, I think we had just Ari and Dane, maybe. So it was like. Two or three years after we got married. Okay. And then, and then whatever, going up through until, I don't remember the last one was, it was probably 2001, 99 maybe, 98. Okay. Okay. So there wasn't, yeah, it was it like was a, a six year period there okay. where I tried to be added upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So, so anyway, so let's, let's finish that thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, no, that's fine. Um, so how it felt was... Because there must have been something that like didn't sit well with you. That oh yeah, I mean that's it feels. It felt icky, in a lot of ways, and icky's just such a trite. I mean, but yeah, it felt yeah. wrong. It felt. Um. I have an opinion, and it's just my opinion for what it's worth. I believe any man that that lives polygamy, for sure, when they first go on the first date, uh, when they. 
for sure that wedding night mm-hmm. with their second wife, something breaks in them. Breaks in what way do you think? It, I think they something breaks in their head as far as you're taught your whole life adultery. You know, for, for sure, no sex until you're married. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So sex sure. is this huge thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're taught, you know, adultery is bad. Mm-hmm. It's even in one of the... 22 commandments the first 10 you know popular <laughs> yeah. 10 commandments you know one of them yeah it says you know thou shalt not commit adultery so sure you're in your mind you're flirting with damnation yeah you know because adultery is uh, a sin next to death and you know, it's yeah. a lot of dog you know a lot of doctrine that is taught mm-hmm. i think something you have to give up something when you you have to say okay i'm doing this I don't think there's any man, well, I shouldn't say, let me back up. There are a lot of men that I knew that lived polygamy weren't jumping at the chance and just thinking, this is going to be awesome on my wedding night of the with second, second wife, wife. With the okay. second wife. Okay, yeah. There might be some that I don't know. and But just, I, I saw a lot of, wow, holy cow, let's do this now, you know. Yeah. And so it, yeah. I think something in there has to. I, I believe, like I said, it's my personal. Yeah, splinter away. Splinter away. Something has to, your brain has, brain has to split in two. Yeah. You have to become. Two, two different people, people. Two different people. Because right. you're supporting two different families. Right. And we're like that. Well, that's just that part. But I'm talking about just the act of, 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 of adultery that you were taught your whole life. It's, you have to be committed to the fact that the Lord wants you to do this. It's a really interesting thing to think that, um, the thing that you are told and taught is the only way that you'll ever be exalted is so, 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 so close millimeters away from damnation. Right. And the, and this is the irony <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. and again, I'm probably jumping ahead, but we were taught, told to ad, ad nauseum that everybody outside of AUB that lived polygamy were committed adultery. Everybody that was outside of didn't have the authority. So, like in were, you know, yeah, the Warren Jeffs group. Yep. Yeah, any mm-hmm. of the Kelsch's group, any any independent out there that was outside of AUB. Literally, AUB was the only one that had the authority. Everybody else is committing adultery, and so, and the irony is that since all everything fell apart mm-hmm. in AUB, and where's the authority now? Yeah, I mean, there's I you know there's not falling apart when there's been the great apostasy, I guess, in <laughs> yeah. 15, whenever it was, 16. Yeah. Um, 15, 2015. It's the authority now people don't know. People are still living polygamy. Yeah, it doesn't seem without like Without the, the authority or with the authority. It sounds like they're find, trying to find something with a compass that doesn't work. Right. It, it feels like it's really made up to me. <laughs> yeah. It's a very strong feeling, it sounds like. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Like, I just... I, it. There's just so much like, and, and this is, you know, part of a greater abstraction, but when you look at, and this isn't just for AUP or the LDS church or Catholicism or whatever religion you subscribe to, when you look at things from a lot more of a logical objective perspective, there are discrepancies or discrepancies almost everywhere. It's like rampant. It's like a disease almost, like these discrepancies. I mean, specifically, and something that I've wanted to talk to you about, because I have now read mm-hmm. the CES letter. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and going through, you know, those things of, specifically with the Mormon church, it's really tough for me to think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. 
now when I used to be full fledged, like in it, I was convinced mm-hmm. that I was going to have multiple wives when I was a kid, convinced straight up, even until like, even after my mom threatened my dad with divorce, you know, like right. it was even after that. I mean, I had no idea that was like a, you know, a genuine real threat. I, I mean, I knew that there was like contention and they wouldn't talk and stuff for a long time. And I know that there were a few young women that were you know actively pursuing my dad, like pretty Still, like, I don't know, pretty, pretty determined, I think is a way to put it. But, but then now on the other side of it, talking about the great apostasy and, and being, you know, part of that. And I think both your family and my family were, you know, I don't want to say led the charge, but we're like definitely in that first wave. Yeah. You know, I, you know, to get back to, well, let's, let's finish out the Polygamy. Did we finish out the polygamy part of it? I guess I don't know. To your, to, it's all good. So go back to. So await. Oh my wife Katie, I guess left the group before I did in oh seven, okay. six oh seven, somewhere okay. in there. And I, I wish I, it, she had taken off her garments. And this is where it really rubber hit the road with me because they're taught. We're taught in AUB that if you are if you stay stay married. To someone who has taken off their garments, and, and say married in conjugal relations, whatever. Sure. With someone who's married, you commit adultery yourself because they're not wearing because they're not wearing garments. Yeah. Well, because they've broken their covenants, mm-hmm. and so, and that's analogous, or at least has a parallel with adultery. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And 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 if you want to, you know, there's various forms of adultery, but adultery is all that the word that was ever used. Mm-hmm. If you lie, if you're with that person who's broken their covenants, it's just like you committed adultery. Yeah. And so after my wife took off her garments and left AUB, there was definitely there's definitely a lot of people, her family included, that thought I should leave her and not be married to her anymore. Yeah. Because she broke her covenants. Mm-hmm. And you gotta realize with the covenants that were broken, or with with the prom you know, let's back up. So with the promise that I always thought, and you gotta realize I was in the group i was in it i believed Mm -hmm. i was and maybe to a fault and i get it i'm an idiot so but i believed that cursings followed people that took off their garments i believe that okay i mean it's well that's what's taught yeah sure yeah and so i felt like okay well Katie, wear your seatbelt, right? <laughs> <laughs> the all-powerful creator of the universe. If you have chew your, your seat food belt, a little bit more, <laughs> might not be able to hurt you if you have your seatbelt on. Anyway, I was in a yeah. It was a. I was a little worried. I was like, okay, she she's being turned over to the buffetings of Satan. Satan's got <laughs> yeah. you know not you know there's an a, there's there's a an ordinance that turns people over by things saying that not what they did. Sure. But, but by her taking off her garments, I was literally afraid for wow. her. Okay. And time went on. I kept watching for the darkness to come out of her. Cause I knew that was the second step that you'll turn dark and angry and you'll be pissed off and you're fighting, kick against some pricks and all you want to do is destroy. And, mm-hmm. and you know, lo and behold, it's, she didn't change. Yeah. Uh, she's, became a better person, more, you know, more charitable, a better, and then it showed she was still able to teach at the school, you know, mm-hmm. f- for years, yeah. you know, without her garments on. And, you know, she's an amazing person. Yeah. Um, I didn't see the transformation. And so I'm like, okay, either what I was taught is wrong mm-hmm. 
or Katie never broke her covenants, or all this is made up. You know, yeah. there's like more options to that, but those are the three main ones. Um, sure. And I'm like, okay, so I, so we live life happily. I didn't. After she left, after she broke, took took off her garments. I didn't try to get another wife after that at all. I mean, that was it was off the table. I'm like, no, this gotcha. is happening. Um, well, unless she was rich, then I might have lived plural marriage. But she had to have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Anyway, so I I was started really. And I think the biggest part of leaving any cult or any organization, if it is, is you have to be willing to ask yourself, what if? You got to be able to ask yourself, what if this isn't wrong? Okay. Yeah, you I see that. You have to be able to falsify your findings. You know, in science, you know, if you can't falsify your findings, you you should not, you know, that there shouldn't be believe. They shouldn't be a pathway to truth, you know. And so, oh, it's basically like a, um, if we're wrong, challenge us. Right, yeah, or if you're that, but also if you're willing to look, if you say maybe there might be, then you're willing to look at another perspective. That's that you know. That's the only way you're going to learn. Yeah, of you, course. You, you have to drop your your confirmation bias. Yeah, you have to no longer have that. And so once I, that's basically what happened in 08, 06, 07, 08, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, I started looking at things a little differently with a more critical eye. And that that is my path out of of AUB is my epistemology changed. Okay. Before it was and this is ironic that you know the epistemology is you know, Mormonism is we contain all truth, right? Yeah. But when you try to determine what truth is, it fails. Well, I mean, the 13th article of faith talks about like, you know, if there is anything that is, you know, of note or praiseworthy or whatever the hell it says, I can't remember. I used to yeah. have it memorized, but, um, then we seek know, after these yeah, things. then we seek after it. And so like, so then the problem with that though, is that like, okay, that's, I think that's a great tenant to have if you're a religion, right? Like if there is truth out there, then we're going to go after it and adopt that as part of our own. So whether it's scientific truth, you know, so when, but then at the same time, we have that as part of the AUB and there's a lot of people who are super anti-vax, you right. know, or, or whatever the case is, you know, and I don't want to get too political because that's not the podcast, but like, and it's funny that vaccinations have turned political, right? <laughs> but when you have like those things that, um, or that idea that like, yeah, if it's true, that's part of us as well. And then at the same time, believing and not having any sort of evidence of that God exists, or that, you know, Joseph Smith actually had that vision or actually dug up the golden plates and Laban's sword, you know, and the Urim and Thummim and all that stuff. And I think that's something that was, um, I mean, after we chatted a few weeks ago and you told me about the CES letter and after reading it, I've never, I have never resonated with a piece of literature more than that. And it was, it really was cathartic for mm -hmm. me to read. And I always, I mean, it, it basically, it almost felt like I had this cloud of all these doubts and thoughts in my head and like criticisms and all that stuff. But the CES letter like blew those, that smoke away and was like, Oh, that's actually how I felt too. Oh, Hey, that's, yeah. he said it way better than I did. Right. You know? And if any of you who are listening, who want to, um, read it, Google it, CES yeah. letter and it's by Jeremy Runnels and 
it's an so, inc- it's an incredible piece of criticism involving LDS dogma that is vicious. Well, and it's also and it's done. I you know I read the I literally read it when it first came out in 2013. It was like ten days after it came out. Sure. Yeah. At this point, I was already out of AUB. Mm-hmm. I was at this. I have family in, so I'm still trying to understand it. But everything I had to, everything that was in the CS letter could be found in other places on the internet. Mm-hmm. It was just like MormonThink.com was another huge one that had a. That was a bunch of LDS members that were got together and just wanted to answer questions and help each other figure this out. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them have since been has since been excommunicated. But but Jeremy's Jeremy Reynolds' CS letter it just really brought it into one place an easy handoff to somebody. Here's a PDF. You know, yeah, it's free to download. Free to download. Here's a PDF if you want the written copy. If you want to, yeah, it's way better to read it online because you can. Check all the links. Yeah, that's um, what I did too. And then I, there's a debunking of it that mm-hmm. fairs or farms did. And I'm not saying the LDS true church isn't true. I'm not saying Joseph Smith didn't see a vision, but the chances are so low. You know, we don't, we, in science, you really don't know anything. All we can do is take the best evidence and come to a conclusion. Yeah. It's 0.001% chance that it's true. You know, four digits yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Based on, um, just the amount of of non truths that are non yeah. you know things that are falsifiable that have been falsified and in been, the Mormon and been debunked like debunked. from non or from objective non biased yes. sources you know I think that one of the things that I was like I was literally laughing at when I was reading was the uh, the whole idea that the um, golden plates were written in reformed e- Egyptian and then you had then they employed actual Egyptologists, you know, the most reputable ones in the world at that time. And they all said, no, this isn't actually yeah. through the book of Abraham's bunch of BS. So the book of Abraham is one of those empirical evidences mm-hmm. that you can't hide from. No. And, and it, the church should have never let those fragments be, see the light of day. Yeah. Those fast, Once they got fast them miles, 68 whatever they and 69, whatever. Yeah. 1964, whenever they found them again. They thought they burned down at Chicago. Mm-hmm. They found them. They should, yeah, those that is pretty damning. In my that is the Book of Abraham. You know, there's you know I don't want to take too much time on this, but that's definitely my. And so my path out of AUB, once I realized the foundation of AUB mm-hmm. was nothing, which which was the LDS faith, yeah, the Mormon, the Joseph Smith story, Book of Mormon. Once I realized that it was no longer what I could call truth. Mm-hmm. It, everything felt like dominoes for me. Yeah. It was the same uh, thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was my, my beliefs um, were built on a predicated upon a domino, you know, almost, you know, it was okay. Joseph Smith saw Moroni, he, you know, mm-hmm. he saw the vision, saw the father and the son. He was given the gold plates. All this was based on, you know, line upon line all the way up through, of course, it made all sense to me that there was a split in 1886. Mm-hmm. Kept going, you know, of course, the group was a product of that. There was another split in John Y. Barlow in the 30s, 40s. And so it made sense to me. But mm-hmm. once that dominoes, those dominoes of early church fell, everything was, it was gone for me in an instant. So I never left AUB per se. The foundation of AUB was knocked out from under it. Yeah. So it, it literally evaporated like that. It was a, AUB was not even a question. Because I realized yeah. it was foundationally. Well, and when you have like those foundations that like, and there's like, you know, first presidency members of the LDS church that have said and have been documented saying mm-hmm. like the entire foundation of, 
our religion and belief system is predicated upon Joseph Smith's first vision mm-hmm. and like and that story, right? And if yeah, and then I think it goes along to say if 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 this is wrong, then it it should be exposed. It should be questioned. It should be questioned, and it should be exposed because if it's wrong, we are wrong. Yeah, and it's and it has now been questioned and yeah criticized and brought out and. I mean, I know that with since 2013, with that with the CES letter coming out, there has been a mass exodus from the LDS Church. Yes, in regards to like these are questions, and I think the most damning part of that entire process with Runnels and everything else is that the fact that there was no response. Right, there was no response whatsoever. So farms, radio are silence, fair farms. One of them is the apologetic, unofficial apologetic arm of the church. They did a rebuttal. They did a debunking. But then Jeremy also did a debunking to that as well. Oh, a debunking of the debunking. Debunking, yeah. And it, it literally, it, it blows it out of the water. I mean, so I am, it, you know, obviously this is a turning into a, a Mormon, you know, Mormonism, but that's, that's why I left because Mormonism was wrong. Mm-hmm. After I read the CS letter, I was like, good. There was a couple things in there that I actually didn't know um, that Jeremy dug up or had some questions for his grandfather's friend and you know it was it just added to it but it was just amazing i probably read it three or four times yeah but and and more importantly and i i will challenge anybody that's listening to do the same thing debunk it yeah find out i tried yeah trust me i didn't want to leave everything i knew well to to be right (laughs) i didn't want to leave my my family most my dad still in it um at the time, he had two wives still in it. There was a lot of my family members still in it. A lot of my wife's family members still. I still lived in Pinesdale, right mm-hmm. in the middle of it. Yep. The last thing I wanted to do was leave, but more important to me, and this is just a cliche, such a cliche, but but more important to me was the discovery of truth. Yeah. And if in my epistemology, if I don't have a good way to determine what is truth, then I'm going to be taken for the rest of my life on whatever. Yeah, then you'll believe anything. I'll believe anything. And so I had to really define that. And that is, in a nutshell, what made me leave AUB, the Mormon faith, mm-hmm. AUB indirectly. Sure. And it was because, it's funny, because people, let's say, say for instance, you want to buy a car, right? Sure. You're going to go, you know, if you're really smart, you will check Carfax to see if there's been any wrecks. You'll take it to a mechanic. You'll go check Kelly Blue Book and see how much it's worth. And mm-hmm. you do all this vetting. You, you go and find out if you should buy this car. You don't just pray about it. You don't just <laughs> – well, there's some people that might. But but if you're if you're wise, you'll actually do other things besides just pray about it. Yeah. And this is something as minuscule as buying a car. Yeah. Or with, with me and a lot of other – is getting into business ventures with bad people. Yeah. Which – I've been taken advantage of because I felt right about it mm-hmm. rather than vetting it, rather than doing the correct epistemology that, that now I try to do. Mm-hmm. It was uh, anyway. So I, I, it's so funny to me because people will, every part of their life, 99% of their life, they will use in what I consider correct epistemology. But when it comes to religion, they won't. Yeah. The one thing and in, and in the LDS church particularly, and in the AUB the same way, you're giving up 10% of your income. Yeah, tithing. Tithing. And a lot of your time in a lot of cases. Well, because, I mean... And they you... won't even... And so you're talking 10% of your income for the rest of your life, and you won't even vet if it's true or not. You won't even consider because you have this feeling about it. Yeah. You have this feeling that God gave you this testimony. 
Mm-hmm. And if you can't, if correct epistemology isn't used, and I'm overusing that word, I know, but then, yeah, I mean, you, you end up blowing up a bus. Yep. Right. And so, not everybody, but I'm saying that's the same. It's exact same exact logic that but, I mean, the when, Islam uses. Well, I mean, you take you take the extremism of the Islamic faith, and I would say I'm not comparing right. AUB people to terrorists by any means. That's but not it's the same. It's the same. It's same thought process. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same way that you go about making your own decisions. You have this feeling that has been reinforced for generations that this is the way it is. This is the way that the world works, bar none. Everything who or everyone who is not a part of this is now. You know, you have to understand that they're less than you, right? We've been told for generations how special we are to be in the AUB. Right. Like what you're referencing earlier about how, like, everyone outside of the AUB is committing adultery by living polygamy. But we mm-hmm. are the ones that have it right. Right. And it's the same type of idea, the same type of ideology that, you know, causes people to strap explosives to themselves and that kind of thing, too. And it's extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous because then, like what we said earlier... If you're not being critical enough, if you're not doing that vetting, then, like what you said, you could be taken. You can be straight up emotions, thoughts, feelings, decision making, income, all of that stuff is just quite literally stripped from you because you just feel a certain way. And I mean, just from my experience working in mental health has been a very eye-opening you know, part of my life for me to just hear how like the the science behind memories and the science behind mm-hmm. decision making and the science behind like the neurochemicals that make you do certain things in your life it's a lot less concrete than what we want it to be you know i mean you think of like most everybody is extremely confident about where they were on 9-11 right right so i mean i, I don't want to get too sure. far deep into that but like everyone feels like they are about 99 percent confident about what happened that day when in fact it probably wasn't the same way that you felt about it i mean i was in third grade so it's a little sure. different you know but but yeah i mean when you have something like that i mean and you just you try to abstract that and that out into um how you view salvation or whatever the case is it gets really murky really quick and it becomes extremely manipulated really quick because the people in power know that that's the tool that they use to get your income or to get you to do things that are atrocious or whatever the case is. It's extremely dangerous to not at least attempt to find that truth. Right. Absolutely. And it's a, you know, I I said early on, you know, the cult-like behaviors, I feel like um, the LDS church is a cult. By extension, AUB is a cult. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is very uh, you know it's basically you know there's a lot of other factors but one of them is for sure the endowment oh and the secret that's the secretiveness of it um if you read if you look and see how brainwashing works right Mm -hmm. you break down the individual yeah um it's really helpful if you can get them naked (laughs) and vulnerable (laughs) Well, and that's how the endowment starts out, (laughs) (laughs) and then it progresses into anyway. Not to get too far into that, um, we'll have you on again that we can get too far into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's. I don't know how much time you have. How much time? I I'm following you. Okay. Yeah, no time limit. And so, 
where did we kind of leave off on? And so I guess epistemology. You're um, talking about um, how you view the LDS church as a cult and by extension, the AUB yeah, as a cult. So and, I just didn't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but well, I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's, I don't know. I might get flack for this, but whatever, it's fine. This is how I truly feel is that the only true difference between a religion and a cult is how many members there are. When you think about it, I mean, I'll even, I'll even go further than that though. I think any religion or political idea. Yeah. Ideology. Ideology. I mean, you can turn, I agree with you. You know, I think, you know, so there's, there's strict definitions, there's colloquial definitions of a cult and strict definitions and there's, they, they check the boxes off. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it's, a cult, you know, the the occult, right? You right know, the it, occult, which is different. Yeah, but it's a little yeah. bit different. But it's yeah. the same type of vein, too, where, like, you know, you think of cults as, like, a dude speaking a language that doesn't exist anymore that wears a funny hat and does these really crazy rituals. You mean the Pope? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's speaking a dead religion. Yeah. He's wearing a funny a hat. Language, yeah. And he's doing this crazy ritual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So there's so many similarities. And when I've, I've actually mentioned that. I mean, <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble for this when I was in uh, college because I was going to a private Catholic university. Yeah. And I brought that up in one of my ethics classes. And I have never seen a nun's eyes get that big before. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I didn't do well in that class grade-wise because of those thoughts and feelings, which only reinforces that idea, though, that once you challenge it, if it's not within the commonplace, you know, what most people think about the certain situation, salvation, whatever the hell you want to say it, if you're not... If you're on that fringe, if you're on the outside, you are now this quote unquote cult. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've had people like, oh, you grew up in a cult. I mean, I I, I say that yeah. now because I think that's what it was. I think it was a cult. I, I mean, it still is. But like, even if it's the LDS church or the Catholicism or, you know, if you're Baptist, it doesn't matter to me. If you think that you're the ones that are right just because you feel that way. Realize it's, there's a thousand other religions that feel the same way. Well, I mean, when you think about all the gods that have existed sure. over the course of human culture, just because I don't believe in one more that you don't believe in. Like, oh, so you're telling me you don't believe in Thor? Oh, me, me neither. That's great. Right. I don't believe in Odin. I don't believe in, you know, Krishna. I don't believe in all of these. But when I say I don't believe in the Judeo-Christian, white, bearded, live in the sky in the clouds mm-hmm. God. All of a sudden it's a deal breaker. All of a sudden it's, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. You know, so it's, it's really icky. It's really gross in my opinion, um, to, to, I, 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 maybe not gross is the right way to put it. I think it's gross for me personally to step into those shoes and be okay with myself. Right. It feels like what you're saying. It felt icky. It feels bad to me. But if someone else believes that way and they like have their own opinions and thoughts about it, and if they're a good person and if they're not trying to enforce their own ideologies on other people, then I'm okay with it. But I don't. I don't get too bent out of shape if people are decent. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, you touched a little bit on the Catholic religion, and I don't know how far down these rabbit holes you want to go, but I think there's a huge problem down in South America. Of course, I'm not I'm not the only one who thinks this. This isn't anything new. But you saw what happened with the Catholic Church in the United States with young boys, with these yep. dioceses, Philadelphia, Boston. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the numbers in front of me. I looked them up a couple of years ago, but 1,500 boys, something like that. High number. 
Anyway, you extrapolate, you extrapolate the population, the Catholic population in the United States, and then take the population population United States and move it to, um, to South America, where they don't have oversight, where they actually, where the Catholic Church actually does rule mm-hmm. completely down there. I think that there's a story not being told about the massive amounts of abuse they're being perpetrated every day on, on young boys in South America. Yeah. To the tune of thousands. Yeah. Thousands a day probably. I mean, not day, that's too high, but whatever, hundreds a yeah. day yeah. being molested. And we're not even talking about it. The church can absolutely put the stop to an end to this. The Catholic church can. Where are they? They never did anything until they did, until they were caught. Well, and if they were they, caught, they, they, they may were just no, shipped off to a different parish. Right, but I'm saying until they were caught... You know, in Boston, Philadelphia, they didn't do anything really until slap on the wrist until they got really caught red-handed. Yeah, and I am, I'm so ashamed of you know the Catholic Church and the the powers that be there that mm-hmm. that I know this is happening down in South America, and we're not even talking about it. Yeah, not even talking about it. And it's you know obviously there's a lot of the, you know the world's on fire right now. Mm-hmm. October twenty fourth, twenty twenty. So it's <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things going on right now. I get it, but. Um, I'm anyway, that's just a tangent that went on. Yeah, but. no, it's no. And I think it's important to say though, it really truly is because we can't, that idea of being closed minded and only having a very small tunnel vision of this giant painting that is the world. Right. And believing that what we see is what's right. Mm, and all of it. Yeah. And all of it. You know, we have the full picture. We have the fullness of mm-hmm. the gospel. Right. You can even, you know, take that into, you know, in America, we're not even talking about what's going on in South America with altar boys mm-hmm. because we have our own shit that's going on. We only have to care about our yeah. own little thing. And so when you have those, you know, political borders around countries and stuff too, like it just, it gets really crappy, you know, and I don't know what the solution is. But the Catholic Church has, they absolutely have the power to put a stop to it. 100%. And they might be behind the scenes. Sure. Yeah. A day, a day you know, it, it could happen tomorrow and it wouldn't be soon enough, in my opinion. Absolutely. If they ended it. Absolutely. So I don't know if they will or won't. It, it, and this is the way pretty much all religions work. I don't know, as far as I can see. I shouldn't say all. As far as there's a lot of religions in the United States, they don't make changes until they get caught. Yeah, behind the ball, for sure. They do not make a change until they're caught or until they realize, you know, and, and the LDS Church is a perfect example with their $100 billion, you know, fund that they have. The LDS Church could stop right now from asking for any tithing from its members, mm-hmm. and they will continue to pay all their bills and grow at two billion a year. Yep. That's, yeah, you know, I, you know, there's a whole discussion there. I am so against tax exempt religions um, religions or tax exempt status for religions oh i'm 100 percent on the same boat and they are in in the lds church is a prime example well i mean when you have <laughs> when you have city creek mall that was purchased by tithing tithing yeah like a giant multi-billion dollar shopping center right across the street from temple square for the wealthy I, for the wealthy you know high-end i mean they have a rolex outlet you know, like all these yeah. different things. I mean, I'm not saying that that's like the marker of wealth, but it kind of is in a certain sense, depending on who you talk to. And you have the prophet 
snipping the ribbon. It's like, let's go shopping. Yeah. What? Yeah. That is a dis- that is a huge discrepancy, especially when the, those same men get up in conference and talk about all the humanitarian efforts that the church has done over the last year. Yeah. And then you, yeah, and you talk about the tithing that's still required and still a requisite to even going through the temple. And it's the same with AUB. Yeah. The whole yeah. AUB, it's still, a, they're just an extension of Mormonism. And it's, I am, I've, I've been ashamed with any religion that calls themselves Christian mm-hmm. and then require members to pay money to be a part yeah. of a Christian. Well, and what's funny is that why would God care? Yeah. Why would God care about your money? If your salvation and how you are as a person is the only real kind of, at least from my perception, it seems as though like what you do, your actions as a person mm-hmm. is kind of the only thing that God cares about, whether you're led in the gate or not, whether, you know, St. Peter says, you know, pass or fail. Right. You know, he pulls a lever to go down or whatever the hell it is. If that's the reason why, or if those are the things that, you know, God takes into consideration about your salvation, then why in the hell does it matter that you pay 10%? Why in the hell does it matter that you, you know, didn't, you know, you're not wearing the right type of suit? Or if you're, you know, if you're a decent person, you're a decent person through and through, you know? And then that's another entire philosophical argument about what is good, what is not. But at the same time, if you're... If you're saying that, like, no, we have the fullness of the gospel, and you're like, the fullness of the gospel means abusing 14-year-old girls and marrying them off to 55-year-old men, there's just so many questions that come up with that for me, at least. Like, it's just such a glaring example of how bullshit it all is. Yeah. And when that, when those actions aren't corrected, and let's... Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how dark you want to go. So we'll we'll Let's back do it. we'll back it up. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'm no, following you. <laughs> it's um and 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 just so anybody listening, and I've I've challenged people mm-hmm. to come talk to me to, to to say, hey, if you have if you wonder, come talk to me. Let's let's discuss this. Yep. And I get a couple, you know, a couple sentences, you know, a couple dialogues into it, and it stops. It, yeah. They realize there's not a. They realize that they're on shaky ground. I think, um, okay. and I and I challenge anybody, come talk to me. I would. I. I. If 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 Mormonism and AUB fits is epistemology fits into my epistemology of how I discover and come to truth, and I can and that and I can vet it, and it will be what is true and correct. I'll I'll join back up. Yeah, but it hasn't. You know. You know. I might not join back up, but I would. Definitely consider it again and be, but I, it, it doesn't. It'd be a lot different if they paid 10% of their income to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And my, and I'm, I'm being, it's really hard for me to write this second because there's direction I want to go, but I'm not going to go. And I'm being, so that's why I'm being kind of, I'm trying to gather my thoughts again. No, Um, that's totally fine. No. And I've, I've, I've pulled some, some quotes from, you know, elders, and this is, and then what's so great about the CES letters that has it all there. Yeah. But um, there's two that really stood out to me, and one is at the very beginning of the book um, by uh, President J. Reuben Clark. Right. Um, he said, uh, if we have the truth, and this is a direct quote, if we have the truth, it cannot be harmed by investigation. If we have not the truth, it ought to be harmed. Right. That's Absolutely. an incredibly powerful one. And then in the Journal of Discourses, it says, if a faith will not bear to be investigated, if its preachers and professors are afraid to have it examined, their foundation must be very weak. Right. And that's coming at the defense of Mormonism as in like, bring it on yeah. in a certain way, right? 
you would think that that would be kind of the interpretation of what they're trying to say. And so when you have, you know, whether it's, you know, Jeremy Runnels or, you know, lay people like us, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Jeremy's an expert because he was, you know, a lay person who just had, you know, questions that was able to succinctly put his thoughts and questions into a, you know, easily consumable format. It is really tough for me personally to sit and listen to someone say this is the truth when there is just mountains upon mountains of evidence that supports the opposite. All right. Yeah. And so, you know, I said it in church and you probably did too. You probably bore your testimony mm-hmm. of yep. of the gospel of, you know, Jesus Christ, of Joseph Smith. And later, you know, from probably 2005, six, seven on, I was really careful on saying that because I realized it was a tenuous position. Even back then, I was like, you know, what I know and don't know is, yeah, I don't know, you know, and so I was really, yeah. but it was, but early on, you know, you just say, you you know, you feel like you have a testimony. Yeah. And my, and it's just interesting that I find it fascinating because the great apostasy in 2015. Um, so really quick, I wish I had like a little sounding board to like, like context. Yeah. <laughs> so the great apostasy, let's talk about that really quick. Okay. Because I think that's something that people would want to know because we've referenced it a few times. Yeah. So the great apostasy, and you might be able to speak a little bit more in detail about it, but it was basically in 2015 in the AUB specifically. 2016 is when or it started. Or 2016, yeah. It was when it's, so the, it, the apostasy, anyway. So basically, Lynn Thompson was named as the... the successor to in 2014 is he was named the successor yeah 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 right so when so. he was named as a successor to jay lemoyne jensen who was the the leader the prophet guy of the aub leapfrogging seniority and in the way that it usually works and this is the same for the lds church seniority is huge in the first presidency or what we call the council mm-hmm. and so there was you know marv jessup was skipped and that caused a rift because Marv is from here in Pinesdale. Right. And then it came to light that Lynn has a history of uh, molesting. Not only his his daughter brought it forward, but not it, it wasn't just her. And then that caused this unbelievably like staunch rift and schism between those who supported Lynn and supported the idea that he is divinely called and those who had the cognitive dissonance between, oh, but he was doing things that we have all learned and have been reinforced to believe is absolutely abhorrent. Mm -hmm. So how can we support someone who's doing these things, even though he was called by God? And then that caused a split, which then was not only just divided into two, but divided into how many groups, like five, (laughs) you know, like... A bunch yeah, of people so, left. Right. It. There's a lot of the just splintered. So I don't know if you can call each of them their own group, but sure. there's basically two groups, I guess. I mean, there's the second war, which we call the second war here in Pinesdale. Yeah. Let's back up though. So there's those who support Look, Lynn. Yeah. There's those who don't support Lynn but still practice polygamy. Well, that the, the still believe in Mormonism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then there was the they, group they, they who may not plop, they may or may not practice polygamy. But yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. So, the, so there's those two groups, and then there's another group who wash their hands completely of the AUB and join the LDS Church. Mm-hmm. And then there are those. So there's four, I think. So there's the AUB, the non-AUB, the ones who left and joined the LDS Church, and then those who just completely wash their hands. Yeah. So so vague groups, right? Because yeah, individuals. Yeah. 
you know, you could individuals that joined the LDS church, some of them have even left. The LDS church are not very active, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's different various groups. So we'll we'll say that's one group. Yeah, a group joined the LDS church, one group. And there's a bunch of them that have kind of turned just anti AUB. Yeah. They don't care. They're not really a part of any group. They're just anti AUB now. Yeah. And so And that was in 2015, 2016, and it was like a very yeah, 14 is when it happened. 15 mm-hmm. is when they were trying to get answers. They had multiple council members come up here. They felt like they were lied to. There was this um, belief that Lynn was, you know, early on he, and if I'm wrong, again, anybody listening to this, correct me. Trust me. I want to be corrected on anything I'm wrong with, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, just to put it out there. But Lynn, um, early on, from my understanding, you got to realize I'm, I'm standing on the outside of this at this point. Sure. Um, you had already left. Right. And it was, I'd already left. Yeah. And I was, boy, just, we can go back to that too, because mm-hmm. there's a whole, I'd already left. So I was standing there with a bowl of popcorn <laughs> watching this. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was fascinating to me to watch it from a third yeah. party. People that, hadn't really talked to me i mean they mm-hmm. might chat and say hi or whatever but hadn't really talked to me mm-hmm. for five years were finally talking to me again yeah they were finally because i you know we had some in common they'd left a you know but my you know i left far deeper you know i didn't leave just aub you know my yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you were part of the group that just washed their hands completely of everything right but i'd left far you know way before lynn but it was um what i found interesting so let's discuss that for a minute so lynn so not only, though, you're missing a point here. Um, not only was he accused by his daughter, Rosemary, of fondling her when she was younger. Um, and this is something that is, you know, empirically corroborated by, at least by people. I think they've burned the records. Or not burned. They, the records don't exist. But he, Linda was actually guilty of embezzling tithing funds for his own use. So I don't know. Yeah. And I know for a, I know at, at a point he, you know, he was definitely... Uh, given a reprimand by Lemoyne Jensen by um, for that. There was a huge rift in his family. One half of the family felt like his mom, their mom should get a release from him. The other half was saying no. So there was there was members mm-hmm. of his family, his own family, that knew this was wrong. Yeah. It's just been conveniently forgotten about, it feels like. People don't even, you know, you talk about that. And so he's been put in charge now of a corporation that generates two to five hundred thousand dollars a month yeah in tithing funds i don't know i'm yeah i'm yeah, just yeah. striving obviously that's a huge two to five hundred that is a big difference between those two numbers but anyway so it, yeah. it's just interesting that and i find it another thing i find fascinating are people that took all this stuff with lynn not talking to lynn yeah not actually truly vetting their situation they're just kind of hear and hearsay they heard rosemary's story which is very compelling yeah but they are the exact same people that would have left the early church when joseph smith started his things that he was doing yeah (laughs) but they don't put those two together yeah there's they're like there's far more things against joseph smith than there ever has been against lynn thompson yeah you have maybe five or six women that maybe say or not maybe that have said that there are some issues that they when he was younger and you got to realize he was younger yeah they were younger Regardless, he has an issue with sex, right? Yeah. That's his problem. Mm-hmm. There's there's far more information. There's far more evidence in, in Joseph Smith's indiscretions, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. But they don't they don't see it. They're still Mormons. They're yep. still 
Some of them, a lot of them. A lot of them I've talked to still Mormons, still believe all the magic, Joseph Smith. Yeah. You know, it's, but yet it's, but they're, they left because of Lynn's, you know, stuff. I, I yeah, find it like I find that, it that was the thing that made you quit. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that the split would have happened just later on then? There's a couple things. I think the split would have happened eventually if Lynn got called. That's kind of what I've um, come to as well. And and another, <laughs> and this is, <laughs> I'm just going to bear a testimony to you. Real All quick, right. Okay? Let's, let's hear your testimony. In May you, of... You get $2 for bearing this testimony, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. I talked to him about it last night and see if he would tell me, but he hasn't said yes yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, in May or, or I'm going to say it was April. I should have written down the date because any true revelation isn't really adequate unless you have an actual date. <laughs> yeah. We'll throw it. We'll throw it out there. I think it was March of 2014. We were discussing on the way to work with the guys. Like, who is Lemoyne calling? Because it was vague. It was he knew he had cancer. He was dying. Mm-hmm. We're like, who's he calling? Is it Marv? Is going to be? And we stopped at McDonald's there in Lolo. And I got, we were getting out of the trunk and I said, I said, God, if you exist, please call Lynn Thompson to the head of the priesthood. Just do that for me. And, you know, I have two witnesses, two people were sitting there listening to him and they just chuckled. Yeah. And I chuckled too, thinking nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And then he got called. <laughs> he got called. It was, it was a good day for me because yeah. I knew this was what was going to happen if you got called. Yeah. I thought it would take five years. So did you I know... I thought it was going to take five to ten years for this to happen. It happened within a year and a half. So did you know about the previous abuse stuff? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's something that I thought was really funny because I knew about this stuff. Maybe it's because I grew up in Salt Lake. Maybe it's because I was mm-hmm. friends with his son, one of my best friends. Um, yeah. I don't know. But I knew about this stuff. I just figured he's going to work it out with God. That's not my, you know, mm-hmm. you know it's like whatever. I didn't know about Rosemary. Okay. Rose, I don't think anybody really knew about that until she came out with it. Yeah. But yeah, there's, I've known about physical abuse that he had. The embezzlement. Embezzlement for sure. I knew about some of his other cousins, things like that when mm-hmm. he was younger. I knew about some of those for sure. Yeah. Um, I knew about, he had some problems with pornography. I've heard some story. you know, heard okay. some stories about okay. that. You know, so yeah. I wasn't, to me, it wasn't a shocker. I'm like, I've always known he wasn't a great guy. Yeah. But. And so I was, you know, I was tickled when he came out because I knew this would, I knew this was what was going to happen. Yeah. I thought it was going to take five to 10 years. I was shocked when it was a year and a half later, people were dropping like flies. Wow. Yeah. Um, so here's a question. Where do you think it's going to go from here? The splits, I mean, the splits already happened. The great apostasy. I hope that gets written down in a history book somewhere. So but. let's define that a little bit further then. So up here in Pinesdale, you had probably half the people leave. Up here in Pinesdale. Yeah, it there was, was in a Like, it was one out of two. Yeah. Almost. And there was a ton of people. And I keep saying, there was a lot of people in Salt Lake that left, too. Yeah. A lot of them have left in their closets, um, aren't out, outed as left. A lot of people left in their hearts, whatever you want to sure. call it. A lot of people started paying tithing up here to, mm-hmm. to Lex, you know, when they created their second ward. Yeah. Started paying tithing up here to them. Because they wanted to support they it. They wanted to support that, you know, that second ward. And that's, anyway, there's, yeah, so the great apostasy, I don't know how many, they had to have taken a huge tithing hit at that point. Though. Yeah. 
the amount of money now that's in Salt Lake and floating around Utah right now is is incredible. I mean, I sh- I don't think their coffers are hurting, and that's why I yeah. put those numbers out there. Um, it's anyway. So I don't know if I, I got off track of there. So anyway, so yeah. So the great apostasy probably. Yeah. So so where do you think Pine Sale, Half the families in Pine Sale left. Probably another fifty to hundred down Salt Lake left. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't know the numbers. I have no. I'm these are just guesstimations. So. Where do you think we're going to go forward from here? Is yeah, like is it is it just going to get a lot more divided and a lot more just intense on both sides or whatever side is on? Or I know there's numerous splinters and stuff, but I almost have the feeling that with the advent of information being out there, this podcast being a part of it, there is a smaller percentage of people living by the tenants of what we were taught now than they were previously. So like, so for instance, they're like in my age group, my generation, there are less people that are living polygamy than the one before, like your generation, for instance. So it, it follows that like at some point it's going to fizzle out and die. And I might, I might be wrong about that. I might be completely predicting something that might not happen, but it seems as though with more information out there. Are you talking about second ward? I'm talking about second ward and AUB as well. Do you think that it's just going to fizzle out and just kind of like we're going to have like those quote unquote independents? No. Still- well, so so let's let's dive into this. Um, in my opinion, obviously this is all just my opinion. AUB is is not going away because there's there's lots of factors, but one of the main ones, um, and this is the same. Um, do I call it a disease? This is the same issue. Okay. That they that the Mormon Church has. Okay. Whenever you have success financially, mm-hmm. why are you going to break? Why are you going to change what's successfully gotten you there? Yeah. There are multimillionaires that are that have come. You know, and it's the same way with the Warren Jeffs group. Yeah. Multi, you know, so many multi 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 millions of dollars was created in those in that religion. Okay. They yeah. it just reaffirmed their their pathway to God because the book of Mormon talks about, you know, anytime there was righteous and anytime God blessed you with wealth, that yeah. was just a byproduct of being righteous. So of course we're righteous. That's what's happening now with AUB. There's generational wealth being created right now mm-hmm. in the, with the building boom down there. Cause 90% of people in AB are in the building business or yeah, in the construction it's blue collar, real yeah, construction, yeah, framing, smart, all that stuff. You know, smart guys that are using correct business practices, you know, I think it's they've done great. I mean, it's, yeah. And so, so they're they're paying their ten percent every month, and they're making a bunch of money. Yeah, that is just reaffirming their their belief system. And so when so you it's, have it's reaffirm it's it's a self propagating. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's when that's where the other churches too. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. you know it's one of the most wealthiest churches on the earth. Yeah. And so you have that, and you know, obviously they're. They're not doing what's wrong because God's blessing them. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see AUB going away um, because people have children. People teach their children. Yeah, there's the people that are in the center will still be in the center. Yeah, um, that's why Brigham Young called a cult to Zion, bringing people from the outskirts. That's why it hasn't been official, but AUB is called. You know, let's bring people. Let's gather in. They would like people, I'm sure, to leave Pinesdale and come. But they they haven't actually made an, an official proclamation. But you get you get 
it becomes a social construct. Live in polygamy is a natural thing for the youth of Zion, you know, AUB children. It's a natural yeah. progress progress into adulthood is that they live polygamy. And if they don't live polygamy, they're actually excluded from some secret or exclusive meetings and, you know, different, uh, they can't participate in a lot of the religion unless they have multiple wives. Yeah. It seems to be kind of a, and a, then a stipulation. You, right. And yeah. then, at, well, and, and so you're just, you're, it becomes a social construct. Mm-hmm. And so this is the part where, how much time do you have? <laughs> Dude, I, I'm seriously, okay. I, there's no restrictions. Okay. If we need to split this into two, we can. That's okay. totally so, fine. So when I say they won't fizzle out, it's because you can look at the Kingston group. Yeah. Okay. They are. They started or really got going in the early 1900s. I think they kind of was something during like the that. split. Yeah. 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 They've been intermarrying for like four generations. Granted, there's a lot of people that can't have children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that have you know small heads and major birth defects, things like that. The AUB group is two generations away from that. Yeah. And they have not, they're still living it. They're billionaires. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they're billionaires. They're very wealthy. The Kingston group is very wealthy. Billionaires, wrong word. But they are, you know, there's hundreds of millions generated in their group yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. If they're still around, AUB is going to be around. Yeah. And I am, and this is one of my soapboxes because I have, I have a relative who's got GAN, yeah. which is a direct result of cousins marrying each other. Yeah. And I get it. Oh, I don't get it. I, I'm I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to go there, that's totally no, fine. It's, it gets, I just, I'm trying to not be sarcastic and facetious. So, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> no, and I think that, but, that that point is extremely important to bring up though, because you have this wealth this these blessings from god depending on who you talk to right let's just call it that yeah so these blessings from god um and then we have these instances that are you know very tragic situations of these you know young folks who and we don't even know how many you know babies aren't even coming to full term because of this intergenerational you know marrying or inter-family marrying. And that combined with the idea that you have the money to change things, you can afford the healthcare, you can do all that stuff. That's also something that just reinforces it because even like despite the fact that we have these children who have these defects, we have the money to take care of it. So why does it matter that we're, this is happening? All right. That's such a huge issue. It's, it's not about the fact that you can fix the problem. It's the fact that there's a problem in the first place. I am, I am so disgusted with this that it, it, it makes me see red. Okay. Um, worth, and I've had discussions with people um, directly involved with these things. And they're not concerned about the child. Ugh. They're concerned about bringing another spirit. You know, they have some twisted, warped idea that this child chose us in the preexistence. Their they, condition. Their condition. They knew this was going to happen. Oh they just God. needed a body. And how? who am I to not have... I don't, 
I basically, I don't care if my children are born this way. God, that makes me I'm, feel so I, uncomfortable. I love them. I love them unconditionally. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. But Absolutely. that has nothing to do with the issue. The issue is that this child is going to live 20 years in misery and eventually die at a young age without the strong intervention of science and genetic uh, manipulation. Mm-hmm. This is not happening. This is not being healed because of God. This is being healed because there's some people, left wingers, that care and actually donate money <laughs> yeah. and actually donate to scientists, scientific endeavors. Yeah, that actually help, you know, help humanity. Yeah, and so they're not even. They're, they're, so the discussions I've had is it's like, and I've asked a question: Are you going to keep having children? It's a twenty five percent chance. Yeah, are you going to keep having children? Yeah, why wouldn't I? There's no way. I love my child more than anything. I just, I love. There's no way I'd give her back. I said, I'm not talking about giving her back. It's not. There's no return policy. It's, not, it's, it's saying you're you're creating another inferior body, for lack of a better word, for a spirit to inhabit, that is going to be a miserable existence. Mm-hmm. And 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 here in Pineda, we've seen it. We see it on a weekly basis with three beautiful gan kids gan children live up here in pinesdale yeah amazing what they've done absolutely they're gonna die at a young age and it's tragic absolutely because god told these people to get married and did god tell them to get married or did he not if god told them to get married and this is god's will it's all part of the plan right and if that's part of god's plan that's a very interesting God to believe in. Right. That, so, that gets to a bigger question for sure. There's a whole, you know, there's a whole nother, gone for hours. Um, <laughs> so to get back to your question, is AUB going to be around? They will be. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. yeah. It's going to because of generational wealth is being created right now. Okay. Yeah. That makes um, sense. That makes sense. There's earlier this year, there's another Gan child that was discovered, you know? Yeah. Um, down in Harvest Haven, you know, and it's just, it's going to continue to happen. I make a prediction. Yeah. Anyway, that's, I don't know if everyone's it's so, it's this, so but. tragic to think that that, and I think that you touched on it and I think you nailed it as well. I mean, I'm no expert. I'm not a scientist. I am not in, in any sort of way a geneticist either. It just is to call it anything other than concerning would be a lie. Right. It would be a complete and utter lie, in my opinion, you know, and I am not a person to say that you are, you know, not you specifically, but like if you choose to live this way and that you're choosing to marry your first cousin and then your kids marry their first cousins and then those. Or let's just say second cousins. Or second it's cousins. It's rarely that a first cousin marries. Yeah. But first I mean, cousin's you, removed, but yeah. You're I, just close. Sure. Right. You're close familial ties genetically. Right. On your DNA, your, you, your DNA is so similar to the person that you're having children with. If you choose ne- to neglect it, the biology that goes into this, and this is again, part of the, like, issue that I have with the science AUB as well is like the neglect of scientific fact. Yeah, science denial. Yeah. And it's it's so tough for me to say that they're wrong because of a belief system because I I mean this is, you know, me getting vulnerable like I I feel sometimes that I'm being hypocritical of of people that still believe in the way that I used to because since I believe something now 
I used to believe something then. Sure. You know, so it's just kind of this weird dance that I have with those emotions because I'm like, I don't know if what they're doing is, you know, quote unquote wrong or, or whatever. I am inclined to believe that I lean that way, but to say that it is, you know, 100% wrong, hundred percent, right. It's not something that I kind of struggle with still. Right. Um, and I wish I could come to a place that is a little bit more confident or whatever the case is, but it's just so tough for me to say, yeah, no, do what you want. It's all good. You're consenting adults when that is a direct result of inter-family marriage. Well, and, and indoctrination. Yeah. You're taught that you need to marry within your, your culture, within your group, within your yeah. in-group, within your community. And, and and there isn't a lot of people coming into AUB. There isn't this huge no. influx, of new, new influx of new blood that's coming into AUB. Mm-hmm. It is a... It's an astounding number. As I've since I've left AUB, I've mentally compiled and on paper compiled people that have come and gone, and it is a. It's like there's a retention rate of maybe fifteen to twenty percent. Really, of people that come to the group and stay, and 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 some of them stay with their kids, like your grandpa. Mm-hmm. He came into the group, was here for you, but a lot of his children stayed. Yeah, and now they're all gone. Mm-hmm. But but there's, it is it's a it's a big number. Yeah, and it's there's not a lot of. New retention. blood coming in. And yeah. so, yeah, I guess to answer your question, AB is going to be here. I feel like they are a bad leader away. Bad leader is probably the right word. Corrupt leader, maybe okay. better. Okay. Uh, from being really bad. Like Warren can, Jeff's level. Yeah, Warren Jeff's level. Yeah. If they get a guy in there after Lynn, because Lynn, you know, he's. I, I think he's doing the best he can. I don't, I just from the yeah. outside looking in, I don't, you know, he doesn't strike me as someone who's super smart. Um, okay. you know, doesn't, yeah. not a great orator. He, sure. He's given him from my perspective, some pretty questionable revelations that are, wow, God has nothing better to do than to say that. Okay. That's sure. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, and if he, and if he was smarter or a little bit, you know, he would have rephrased and he could really manipulate the people mm-hmm. because people believe he's talking to God and getting yeah. his answers. But if you get someone else in there, they could be bad. Yeah. Until that, I don't know who that, I don't, I'm not saying I know who that person is. Sure. Let's, I want to talk about just for a second. I want to continue on the, um, will AUB exist? Yeah, because we talked about that. I think they will. How long? Fifty years. I mean, yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's how, the, yeah. How long? They, so after, the question yeah. you ask: Can can the LDS Church continue to exist when it's you know the first world membership is dropping? Mm-hmm. They're ne- they're negative in the first world membership. You know, all their mem- a lot of the memberships are coming from the third world where people don't have information. But in this information age, how long is the LDS Church going to survive? I think they're going to be here for for you know until whenever another hundred fifty mm-hmm. or two or whatever. They're going to be here for. Long time, my lifetime. Yeah, 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 for sure. They're just not going away for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. But and AB is the same way. So we let's talk about the second ward though now. Okay. Yeah. Um, how long are they going to last? It seems that that one's going to last a lot. It's not going to be around as long as the AUB. No. Well. Yeah. So I will. So to me, it hinges, and I made a another prediction early on about back. This is in fourteen. After people started, you know, after Lynn did his, after he got called and then people started really questioning and leaving. So it was back in 15, probably okay. yeah. first quarter of 15, second quarter of 15. I made a prediction that there's, there, there's going to be an endowment outside of AUB done by people here in Pinesdale that call themselves, I didn't know at this point what they were going to call them, but the second ward. 
those people are going to have an endowment. Those people are going to create, are going to have an endowment outside of AUB. I made, so that, I I made want, that prediction. I want to make sure that the people who have no idea what the hell we're talking yeah, about understand okay. what an endowment is. <laughs> okay, well, I should su- suspect that everybody, yeah. Okay, yeah. So the church is now what they do in the temples, right? Yeah. And an AUB has been doing the, the, the same endowment-ish. The stuff the church gave up in, eight, in 1990 with this, you know, signs and tokens and things like that. They, the AUB group still does. Um, they have a what would be considered a more pure form of the endowment. Sure. Just temp, what is done in the temple, done in the temple. That's basically where the authority comes from mm-hmm. to perform sealings and plural marriages or, you know, that authority, you know, comes through Joseph Smith and through the succession of priesthood lineage. Yeah. But that's where all of it happens. Sure. All the magic happens in a temple. Mm-hmm. And so I I made a prediction that there would be an endowment within, I said five to 10 years, but I thought it was going to be five to 10 years before people really started falling away yeah. from AUB. And, and that happened was, in about a year and a half, yeah. A year and a half, a year. You know, it was crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't, I suspect some endowments have been done. I know there's been a ceiling out, you know, with, um, with the marriage up here in Pinesdale. Without the respect of the AUB. Without respect of AUB. There's been a, a ceiling. The ceiling keys of Elijah have been used outside of AUB. Okay. So there is, and, and again, do you want to explain ceiling keys mm, of sure, Elijah? Of but course, it, yeah. It, it's basically the the, the right for uh, the one man on earth has the authority to, you know, loose on earth, loose in heaven, seal on earth, sealed in heaven. It's basically perform plural marriages it was given to yeah joseph smith so when so that, that's actually yeah, something that, like the ceiling word specifically i think is important to t- kind of touch on because um when like in mormon dogma and in aub dogma as well getting married is is the is something that people see on the outside that's what you get invited to that's what yeah. you dress up for that's the marriage the ceiling is the religious part of the marriage correct it's you are you are sealed as in you are of one body and of one flesh in the eyes of god blah 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 um and then so when mormon apologists talk about how joseph smith wasn't married to that 14 year old girl he was just sealed to her right in the eyes of god it doesn't matter it's just it's the same thing so when people say well no he he didn't marry them he just got sealed to him it's like well why would he choose the thing <laughs> that is more important with that 14 year old girl instead of right. whatever and you're telling me he didn't consummate that marriage right yeah do me a favor and fuck off <laughs> 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 oh it's anyway so i think that if if the second war and so the second war is broken into people that the that just don't want to have go to church and hang out sure those people wouldn't be considered hardcore second orders. I mean, yeah. They are. They want to just hang out. They want to take the sacrament. Yeah. They want to basically live the the basic tenets of what they consider to be Jesus Christ's teachings. You know, sacrament, be good to one another, mm-hmm. help each other out. It seems like they've even done things outside the community, which I applaud. Yeah. But anyway, so, but within that circle, there's a circle of people in within that second ward. There's another group of people that want, that feel like they have the authority. Yeah, because of the second endowments that were given to a bunch of group of men up here. Mm-hmm. Google it. <laughs> Everyone knows <laughs> what the second endowment is. <laughs> um, they felt like they have the authority, and yeah. so now, if if they actually start performing those, exercising that authority, which I suspect as of right now they have, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I just suspect. Then, the group second ward, for lack of a better word, 
will live on. Yeah. Because in then this, in, under the same idea as, as the AUB. Right. Because yeah. then some, uh, it's going to take some people, children being born. If that doesn't happen and then there aren't children being born and raised into it and taken a part of it, it's going to last only 20 years. It's going to last until some yeah. of these are, men are dying off. And it might not ever go away as far as individuals. There might be one or two families left that are just going to bear off the kingdom triumphant by themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be this big group. Yeah. Not so at least, not at least effectively, it, was. it might die, you know, as far yeah. as that goes. It's not going to grow to this mass. And, and this is just my prediction. It's yeah. not going to grow into this massive 7, stone, stone rolling forward, you know, conquering <laughs> the world type gospel. that Yeah, that we all hoped was going to happen. Yeah when we were younger, but yeah, that's an, it's just a crazy situation. I, I'm so glad that you brought up the popcorn <laughs> <laughs> because I've felt that way too. I mean, I was out the door when I was 13, yeah. you know, and I investigated the church for about three years and, and it, I arrived to the same conclusion that I do now is like, it's just a bunch of BS in my opinion, in my opinion. And I, I know of a lot of people that are still members of the church that I absolutely adore, appreciate, and will go to bat for no matter absolutely. what. Absolutely. I love, I, there's so many people in the church I love and in AUB and in, yeah, I don't, uh, if I could snap my fingers and make a wish that religion died tomorrow, just, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I, and this just sounds so, so, you know, so arrogant, but <laughs> there's, there's so many people that need religion. Yeah. And I, and yeah. then, by saying that it's, uh, it's not arrogant, you know, but I don't, I'm not one of them. I yeah. don't, I don't, to be a good person, my morality doesn't need a god oh okay that's actually something i've wanted to talk to you about for a long time um because i remember when i was you know in high school swinging my way up to your house to just kind of hang out and chit chat we touched on something and I, i i remember you sending me like a link or something like that about the scientific foundation of morality itself mm-hmm. and how you don't need religion to be moral Right. And yeah. So I wanted to talk, uh, would you be able to touch on that a little bit? Because sure. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've kind of like, only... I'd really thought about a lot because I would, but yeah, I can do it. I'll muddle through. Best yeah, I can. yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's just a muddle fest anyway, which is fun, sure. which is, I like, you know, yeah, it's organic. yeah. And so <laughs> I, from what I've kind of uncovered personally is that it serves you from an evolution perspective to be good to other people. It helps you. It is in your favor to be sure. a decent person from you take the religion out of it you take the everything involving god the question of it all that stuff you remove it it helps you propagate and you know spread your dna if you want to call it that right. or whatever if you if you want your biology to live on it is good to be good it's yeah. beneficial to you it, it, and so when i hear this in a society and yeah yeah, we yeah. are we are societal creatures. Yeah, we are we are very you know we're the same thing as a beehive, social yeah. beings. And so when and the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because I've had people you know talk to me, challenge me, and which which is fine. Talk about how how can you be good without this book? And they hold up the Bible or whatever it is, the Book of Mormon, the the Quran, whatever it is. You know, how can you be good without this? You know, and like, where do you get your morality from? And it would be a lie for me to say that I don't gain some of my moral tenets because of the religion that I grew up in. Sure. Right. Because it influenced who I was. And yeah. you know, that's what I was taught, blah, 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 A, B, C, and D. And at the same time, I can take the things that I appreciate and love about how I grew up, like 
the you know the idea of how important your family is for instance i right. think that's a benefit of growing up in the aub i also think that like the you know making smart financial decisions and not being wasteful you know like those kind of things being prepared in a certain sense without going you know complete doomsday prepper over it um and that kind of thing so like there's a lot of those things that i think are, are beneficial but at the same time i'm not going to hang my hat on the reason why i'm a good person is because i believe in this book right it's just not it doesn't it doesn't follow for me and i feel like anybody and i would again i'll I challenge, you know, if someone wants to come talk to me about this one-on-one anytime, I, I will yeah. welcome it. Cause I, if, if I am off, if my epistemology is off mm-hmm. here, I want to know. Yeah. This is a, this is important to me. Mm-hmm. Well-being is, is, is universal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're cutting someone's hand off, that that is not good. It's bad for that individual. Yeah. So, you can, without any kind of law or lawgiver or any kind of book that says thou shalt not cut off someone's hand, you know cutting off someone's hand is immoral. Yeah. It is not for the well-being of that individual. It's not good for that individual. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Sam Harris really, he's just, uh, if you don't know who he is, he's mm-hmm. very popular, but he's he talks about this a lot, that morality is is has everything to do with well-being. And okay. so... And I don't, again, I didn't, I'm starting to tread into murky waters right now. So let me back up a little bit. So let's talk about the Bible. So okay. if you derive your morality from the Bible, what part of the Bible are you using for morality? What? I mean, because it sounds like the people who, you know, hold that up as like their badge of honor and like, this is how I go about my world because, or how mm-hmm. I'll go, how go about my life because of this book and what it says in it, it has to be cherry picking. Sure, it has to yeah. be because and so if it's inherent word of God, yeah, God's a you know homicidal maniac. You know? Well, yeah, so I mean you take Old Testament, yeah. God, <laughs> he's an ab like quite literally. If you take what he says and if you were to like insert a different name into what God says, or thus yeah. saith Dave, thus <laughs> saith, <laughs> or whatever, uh, yeah. you know, it's like Dave's an asshole. Yeah, you know, you're you're damned to hell and eternal suffering because you're wearing cloth of two different types of you know. strings or threads or you're planting two different crops next to each other that says that in the bible oh yeah it can it condones slavery or obviously yeah the people that we're talking to in aub and people in mormonism or the people that were probably read this hear this podcast they don't the bible is taken with a huge grain of salt they know it's only correct as far as translated correctly Mm -hmm. it's the book of mormon that's the the most true. The most true. That mm-hmm. really fixes the problem. And so. you still have a curse of blackness, Second Nephi. Sure. And you still have a, <laughs> I, and and I'm, and I'm simple, and I'm not an all powerful creator of anything. Mm-hmm. But if I was, one of my commandments would be, "Thou shalt not hurt children." Yeah. That's a pretty simple one. Uh thou shalt not own another human being as property. Yeah. That's a pretty simple one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of fluff in the Book of Mormon that God has said and didn't you know and, and how hard would that be to, to insert that in there yeah so the, so the question becomes why didn't he why didn't he right so it's because the the time the book of mormon was written it wasn't on it wasn't in the zeitgeist it wasn't people weren't thinking about it slavery was the, still a women thing. women were still oppressed slavery is still a thing yeah you know it was okay to kill homosexuals who care you know that yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah it's just so i guess Morality, I personally, me personally, and this is for me, I don't need a God. 
to be moral. Gotcha. I don't need a set of isms. I don't need a set of rules. Mm -hmm. I'm, for lack of a, you know, I'm I'm what you would call a, a humanist. Okay. And so scientific humanist, maybe I don't like secular humanism has gone okay. too far left for me. But, uh, okay. But the, just, okay. just yeah, yeah, the yeah, colloquial, yeah. you know. Sure. But I would be considered, what do you consider a scientific humanist to distill Michael Shermer's terminology? And, and so humanism, if it's bad for humanity, it's a bad thing. If it's a bad thing for yeah. an individual, it's generally a bad thing. You don't need God to tell me. You know, and it's and it's changing. Yeah. The LDS Church is, you know, we're talking about that, and an AB, who knows if they'll fall suit. But the LDS Church is making strides with the the LGBTQ community. But what's interesting, though, at the same time, and I appreciate that they are. It's great that they are that they are making strides with the, you know, with the LGBTQ, you know, community and stuff. But it hasn't been until after it was an issue. <laughs> when and I, I'll go back to my original statement. When has a religion ever changed? Without social pressure. Yep. In seventy, um, in seventy-eight, what did they do? They, the LDS Church. <laughs> they gave the blacks a priesthood. Why? They were going to lose their tax-exempt status if they weren't going to do this. Why did was, they abolish be, polygamy in the beginning? Because they were going to be abolished they, themselves. They wanted they to stop. be. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to be a state. They wanted to be a state and wanted to be federally funded. But hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, back up. That's not a good idea. That's not actually what happened. It's divine. Yeah. It's divine. It's from Heber C. Kimball. Therefore, it is, you know. And I challenge anybody to read that <laughs> divine document from Heber C. Kimball <laughs> and compare it to anything else in the Doctrine and Covenants. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure people have. This isn't. But. Yeah. And it's the same with, you know, it's the same way with, with L L LGBTQ community in, in the LDS church. And it's such a tragedy because there's people, young men, women probably too, but young men mostly losing their lives. Yeah. Through suicide. Mm -hmm. All because of unacceptance. Yep. Because they're either dealing with, you know, telestial kingdom because of their gay because they're gay or because of yeah. their tendencies. And they're told, well, just don't act on them and and you'll you can be, be okay. gay. Yeah. You can, you be, can be gay, but don't do but gay don't things. Act, <laughs> no, but don't do gay things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's so such bullshit. Complete bullshit. And that was one of the things that was part of my journey out too, because I was extremely homophobic. Yeah. growing up mm -hmm. because of some issues that happened to me um with a homosexual that was in aub that i was never told about yeah an older man mm -hmm. uh, nothing nothing major but yeah. enough that i was just hated him you know it's like you yeah. know just a, a bigot when it came to homosexuality so, so here's a question and i don't i don't mean to interrupt i don't um, think it's the right word but yeah so do you so you've mentioned you were homophobic, you know, these racist thoughts and feelings and stuff. Do you feel like a, I mean, I've harbored those feelings towards homosexuals and people of color as well. And I'm on the other side of it. And I, I feel so guilty. I, I feel disgusted with myself when I look back on how I used to think and feel. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? Oh yeah. There's probably not a week that goes by that I don't just like, how in the hell were you a part of that for that long? You know? Yeah. And, and I just, beat myself up and I double, but I, you know, because of that, I double down on my efforts to, to maybe, you know, educate the best I can to love. Yeah. You know, that's a simple, really mm -hmm. simple thing. I am, you know, part of my experience of leaving AUB and leaving, you know, Mormonism. And, and I, if you've talked to your dad, he'll probably, he's one that talked about me this early on when I came and talked to him. Um, but it's, you realize you're not, you're not, you're nothing. 
you realize there's so many people out in this world mm-hmm. and that you're nothing you weren't born special you didn't have you fight on the right side of god in the <laughs> forefront you weren't born to this family yeah. because you were so special and so good you're just like everybody else i'm just thankful that i was born with the genetics i was born with yeah flat out luck that i was born with the genetics i have flat out luck that my me who i am broke into that egg with me and with 30 <laughs> 23 other million me's in there <laughs> yeah. it was me that got in there yeah one in 23 million i'm born <laughs> <laughs> no and i and so, I'm so, so those statistics for, i remember my dad one time this was after we had all you know left and, and stuff and i was just kind of ho-humming around the house it was you know you know i think it was like springtime or something like that or you know winter time um and i was just bored and I was just kind of, you know how kids are. They're like, oh, I'm so bored. There's nothing yeah. to do. You know, like that, that kind of thing. And my dad sat me down and he's like, you're not allowed to be bored. I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, do you even realize what the chances are that you are looking at me right now? Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you are one and yeah, 23 million or whatever the whatever number is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how many, how many sperm cells are in one ejaculation? Intelligent, <laughs> intelligently designed. Yeah. It just looks really intelligent. Yeah. And so it's like he, he, he just basically, you know, he didn't light into me or anything right. like that, but he, you know, hashed it out of like, do you realize how unbelievably lucky you are that you are taking a breath today? Right now, at this exact moment. Yeah. You're not allowed to be bored. Are you kidding me? The world's amazing. Go outside. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting there outside, just like in the grass, just like, whoa, <laughs> my mind had been blown, you know? Um, and that's something that I appreciate about him too, is that he's he's not afraid of like laying it out. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm not, as soon as you realize that I'm not special, how can I really start laying down the, and this is, we can get into a whole discussion of free will. To I mean, uh, how do you just start judging people, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. based on uh, genetic makeup? You know, there's it's my, ridiculous. My brother Joey, I love immensely. He did not get a fair shake in life. He's dead now. He died at 35 years old or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born uh, with problems his whole life. Yeah. You know, addictive personality. That would be me if I would if I had those same genetics flowing through me. That would be me. Yeah. And so it's hard. It's really hard for me to really harshly judge. And that's where I, I just get floored. Just like you, you know, Mm -hmm. how are you such, you know, how could you be such a bigoted asshole Mm -hmm. when you don't know what someone else is going through? Well, yeah. And, and you have no idea what, what demons they were born with, what demons they were instilled with, with their, abusive father or you know you just don't know and and, and granted um, you protect where you can you protect your own and you, sure sure and that's human nature and for there's sure. some you know but something i was told um when i was working in um, wilderness therapy this this student client um and the therapist uh i was sitting in on that therapy session with them because that was part of my job um and the therapist said it's something that really struck me it was very powerful he said, and I don't know if this is from him, if it's an original thought or whatever, but it, it struck me really well. It, it really resonated and kind of put things in perspective in a way that was, you know, influential. But he said to this kid, because this kid was having issues with this other student in the group who was, right. you know, they were just button heads and arguments and, and all this different stuff, right? Um, and he said, 
that he is fighting battles that you can't even realize, which means that he has weapons you can't even comprehend. Yeah. And that was something I was like, oh my God. Like, that's so true. That is so true. To And then, and when, when you, you know, put that into how you feel about, you know, you know, treating others. Right. It's like, how can we even understand the damage that they've sustained or things that they've been influenced by or things that they've seen or heard or done? I mean, that is a, that is a whole other episode right. of, of talking about the trauma that happens in the AUB. And I know I've ch- touched on, on other episodes and stuff, but like it's rampant, it's common and nobody talks about it. And, and that's crazy to me. You know, low hanging fruit at Catholic church, AUB, you know, there's, but it's every religion. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's not a lot of Christian religions that actually accept homosexuals. Yeah. You know, there's deconversion, deconversion therapy. It's still rampant in the United States. Ugh, Hate speech when it comes to, you know, that, that that's the hot topic right now is LGBTQ community. You know, 50 years ago, it was, it was the civil rights. It was, it yeah. was blacks. Yeah. The people of color. It was, we're going to look back and this is my prediction as <laughs> This podcast is now in the amber. <laughs> it's out there now. <laughs> we're going to, it's going to, we're going to look back on the LGBTQ issues we're having now and look at it the same way we do race. Yep. 60 years ago. Yep. I think the same thing. Yeah. And the same states that are being, you know, assholes about mm-hmm. the LGBTQ rights are going to be the same way we looked at Alabama. Oh, wait, it's the same state <laughs> 60 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the way it's going to go. You want to call it there? Yeah. All right, let's call it there. That was awesome. <laughs>